Welcome to the Modern Yogi Podcast, an exploration of ancient wisdom. Hello, hello, everyone. Hi, everybody. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. It is episode number 33. Nice. (laughs) This is wonderful. Thank you all so much for joining us. It feels so good to be back. In the beginning, there's always like a high that comes up. We are all looking at each other, all giddy, smiling. We're happy to be here. Love doing this with you guys. Yeah, and we also have a really fun uh, story right now. Uh, Shama Sangeeta actually literally just landed a couple hours ago. (laughs) Today from like where? Hong Kong. Hong Kong. (laughs) Sixteen hour flight. So she's in the little bit of delirious state of mind, sleep deprived. We're gonna yes. see what happens. Say what magic comes out of your mouth. But I'm giddy. <laughs> you know when you're so tired, you're just yeah. deliriously happy. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. the place that's, where I'm at right that's now. That's where we see you. you yeah. You're yeah. shining yeah. so bright, she's glowing. It's gonna be a great episode. It's gonna be a great, <laughs> great. episode. Great. But on that note, no. what happened last episode? Yeah, we're you putting you on the you hot guys seat want today. Me delirious me to do uh-huh. the recap. Uh-huh. Yes, <laughs> sounds good. Okay, give so it to us. Essentially, last episode we only covered two verses. Okay. Okay, <laughs> but we did 40. recap fifteen episode or oh, text yeah. fifteen, true, true, and true. then the two because it was super important. Fifteen, we left it off on a cliffhanger. Yeah, right? chapter five, text fifteen. We did a little bit of a recap, and then we covered two verses, <laughs> sixteen and seventeen. And essentially, I'm gonna the cliff notes of it is that knowledge is good, guys. Okay, knowledge is wonderful. <laughs> Priya and I looked at each other like, oh, okay. <laughs> no, 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 I trust you. So, I trust so you. So the butt with Ethan, like Krishna, is just giving us knowledge bomb after knowledge bomb after knowledge. Don't worry, I'm going somewhere with this. Okay, okay, trust okay, me, okay. okay, I trust you. I don't have too much of where I'm going, but okay. <laughs> Krishna is giving us knowledge bomb and knowledge bomb, and he says that essentially knowledge is what lights everything up. Mm. It makes everything clear. And then we're constantly in this rat race, this constant circle of birth and death and birth and death. And so how do we become liberated from this cycle of birth and death? There are four main ingredients, okay? Mm-hmm. This is what you got to put into the mixing bowl. Okay, you what's have one? to put a little bit of intelligence. Intelligence. Right? <laughs> you got to use your intelligence. Number two, you got to put a little bit of your mind into it. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Okay. A little bit, mix it up a little bit. The third one is a little bit of faith. Just okay. a tiny sprinkle of faith. Okay, okay. okay. And then a dollop of refuge. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. What is this all gearing towards? So these the four recipe. things, oh, these okay. four things, intelligence, mind, faith, and refuge. And when you fix that on Krishna, you fix that on the Supreme, that is the path towards liberation. I knew magic would well come done. out of your mouth. Uh, well Beautiful. Well At first you guys were like, I don't know what she's going to say. <laughs> I don't know how this is going to go. But yeah. thank you for trusting me. Uh, Wait, yeah. I knew, I always knew you could do it. We knew, we knew. I believe in you. Thank you. So yeah, basically we were talking about these four principles in the last episode and now we're on text 18 beautiful yeah. should we dive into it invocation the prayers invocation please let us alrighty om jnana timirandasya jnananjana shalakaya shakshurun militam yena tasmai shri gurave namaha <laughs> Something Can, sounded different right like, there. Which one of you went through puberty? Just <laughs> <laughs> that was our producer, Abhijit. Thank you, Sir Abhijit. Wait, wait, we can't just say Abhijit. <clears throat> Lord Sir Abhijit. Oh he hates goodness. when we call him that. Translation. Okay. I was born in the darkest ignorance and my spiritual master opened my eyes with the torch of knowledge. I offer my respectful obeisances onto him. All right. Beautiful. Chapter Bye. five, text number 18. The humble sages, by virtue of true knowledge... See with equal vision a learned and gentle Brahmana, a cow, an elephant, a dog, and a dog eater. Outcast. 
Okay. All right. So listen, Krishna's speaking here, right? So Krishna's yeah. still talking to Arjuna, and he says, "The humble sages." Is that us? Who humble? Which humble sages? He's are you talking just kind of talking about idealistically the where the we want to be, right? Right. Like, exactly. Like what we're aiming to be at the end of this life or the next life, or I think ideally this life. I'm trying to be a humble sage, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Perfect. Exactly. He's talking to me. And okay. this is a super important text because nowadays we talk so much about equality, but this gives us an even deeper look into real equality is on the soul level so we can break this down further but this the bhagavad gita really gives a roadmap on why equality is so truly important beyond the body because we're not this body right Right. and like that's the premise of it the whole thing right and if we can Mm -hmm. understand that imagine imagine if everyone understood that in the world right where would be racism and sexism and all of these things just they wouldn't be they wouldn't even be a thing because we are not those identifications right so krishna is saying basically look at everybody whether they're a huge priest or a cow or an elephant or a dog or someone who eats dogs um an outcast look at them all with the same respect the same vision and give them all the same amount of compassion exactly i had someone once tell me um someone really smart said that the best way to see someone who you come across is not for what um it's like for who they can become like treat people for who you believe they the best person that they can be right so like if someone fails it's okay i know you can do better right like having that mood towards people is like the best because we're all capable of really great things right right and, so and like, then i love that because then they want to step into the vision that you have of them exactly without putting too much pressure because you also don't want to make people feel like oh you have to be this no right, but just like right. a generous sort of loving place of understanding that we're all kind of learning we're all going through this process of yeah. life and growth whenever right. whenever i listen like i've seen this verse before and i always think of that obama picture i think uh, we've talked about it before on the podcast where <laughs> he was like meeting with a world leader and he was shaking their hand and after the meeting he was going through the halls of the white house and then he gives props to the janitor mm-hmm. right? right and it's like this epic picture of obama just giving props to the janitor yeah. and it's like Obama was that, that visionary leader that could could respect everybody no matter what their position was. Yeah, and essentially right. what that's what Krishna's talking about here. And that actually gets harder once you have fame and fortune Oof, and all these things. Yeah. So it's really admirable to see someone who's, you know, in that position be really well-rounded and right. open to seeing everyone as equals, yeah. which is right. like the goal here, right? So... Right. The text takes it a little more deeper than just, yeah, we are souls. But what does that really mean? We're souls. So it says a Krishna conscious person doesn't make any distinction between species or caste. So, okay, regardless of what species or what your ranking is, even within we're all humans, but we have different rankings. Yeah. Because you were going to say something? No, I was just going to explain caste. Because ah, yeah, yeah, it's a yeah, very yeah. specific cultural thing. I, yeah, exactly. It's not an American thing. It's not a, you know, in India, it would be considered that there was different categories of people based right. on like where actually I should not be the one speaking yeah. on this. <laughs> I'm not Indian. No, no, but, it's about but, their occupation, like what they're born into, the family right. that they're born into, the socioeconomic status that they're born into, the occupation that their, right. par- that their parents do. So there's a few, right? So Brahmanas. Which is like scholars, priests. Uh, the educated um, class. Yeah. Right. And then there's... Satrias, uh, which would be nowadays Chatrias, like... The military soldiers. Warriors, soldiers, like that. Um, Vaishas. Vaishas. So merchants. Merchants. Business people. Sales the work people. Yeah. Yeah, working class. But it's not quite just the working class. I guess it's like salespersons. Right. Uh, and then Shudras. Business people. And then Shudras, which technically is supposed to be the labor class. Right, right? exactly. That's like the the general way of seeing it, economically speaking. And so here they're trying to, because this is set in 
the Eastern world, we're mm-hmm. talking about castes, right? And here, we, for us, we might consider also this being racial, right? Like th- th- we can put other words in there that also mm-hmm. have right. the same meaning or connotation to us. But go ahead, right. Shamali, you were saying. Right. So basically, all of these differences of the body, of our caste, of our status are meaningless from the viewpoint of someone who really has that transcendental vision or someone who can see beyond all of that. And that's because of one's relationship. In this case, they're talking about like the humble sage who we're striving to be. It's because of the relationship to the Supreme Lord, Mm. because he's paramatma, which means he's present in everybody's heart. So we're a soul. We have God present in our heart. So regardless if you're an animal or if you're a human, and if you're a human, what type of caste, what type of job, doesn't even matter because every single body has a soul and paramatma means Krishna's present in your heart. God yeah. is in your heart. This one, yeah, I this is a beautiful verse. Sometimes it's difficult to implement because we are just intrinsically judgmental people when right. we're walking mm-hmm. down the street. Yeah. But I think Krishna is trying to remind us to respect everybody, to look at everybody the same. And this is hard for me particularly when especially when you see like a spider in the shower. You know, like you don't <laughs> You don't really see that it's a soul. You just want to kill it. You know oh what I mean? God. But like, I've had to learn not to kill the spider in the yeah, shower. You know, right. the spider has paramatma in, in there, and it has yes. a soul too. I like to think of it visually speaking as like think about where your heart is, right? Like mm-hmm. you're imagining your red heart and all the pumping and all of that. But there's like a little spark, and that little spark is you. That's your soul, and right next to that spark is mm-hmm. another spark, and that's right. Krishna, always right. right next to you. And the spider heart. has that too. Yeah, and the spider. Yeah. Has we have both. to remember that, guys. We have to remember that. <laughs> I want to share one thing that's interesting. I was talking to a friend once, and he was saying, "Yeah, but I have a hard time wrapping my head around. It sounds like there's a hierarchy because, like, you know, in the Gita, they always talk about the human form of life is so special. Mm. Don't waste it." And he's like, "Yeah, but you know, it almost sounds like yeah, there's a hierarchy, and why are humans more important than animals?" Mm. And I was saying. Uh, no, no, no. They're not saying more important, just that we have the human body is almost a vehicle that you can use this higher reasoning skill, higher level of consciousness. That, right. Uh, a dog, it's not that he's worthless or less important, just he doesn't have the same reasoning capacity. Skills. Exactly. The same capacities, the same faculties that a human has to further and progress on our spiritual path. So I was telling him, so maybe the body is just the vehicle that's different, but ultimately Bhakti promotes, we're not even the body, we're a soul. So this is so in line with answering that question. Mm. We're all souls and the souls are equal. So when we have that transcendental vision to see that we are truly equal on a real level, which is the soul, that answers the question. There's no hierarchy. Just yeah. make use of this human body. That made me think also like it's they don't have the capacity maybe to think the way we do and to kind of make that progress, but they also don't have the capacity to entangle themselves any further. Yeah. And that's a really cool thought process, right? Because we want to say like, oh, they just can't do what we can, but they also can't do something bad we can, right. which is like they can't go backwards. If you're a dog in your next life, you're going higher. Right. If you are like, you're only making progress towards better because the only thing you're doing is you don't have the consciousness to always think about Krishna. Right. But if you had some good karma, maybe your owners are going to be devotees. They're going to yes. feed you food, right? Yeah. So I, the way I see it is like, also, I think as humans, we have a responsibility. Like if we are truly taking this verse into consideration and like mm. understanding Krishna's words, like we can also help lower species along. Like, yeah. you, like sometimes when I like, I like watch my friend's dogs and whatnot, like I'll chant to them or like <laughs> I'll give them some food that was offered to Krishna or some yeah. water that was offered to Krishna. And I'll say a little prayer for them. And like, I think, and I do that with like cows and dolphins yeah. and like, you know what I mean? Everyone, like, everyone. Like, like, and I think it's, it's our duty to do that as well. Right. Like by looking at everyone as a soul, understanding where they are in 
in their sort of evolutionary path and then trying to help them along. I would yeah. hope that in a next life, li- lifetime, a dolphin does that for me. Okay. <laughs> and that just speaks to how potent these transcendental sound vibrations are, right? That even mm-hmm. hearing it one time can have such a profound impact that you can take a higher birth. Like yeah. I'll be walking down the neighborhood in my, uh, in my house, in my street. Oh my God, I had a brain fart. Anyway. <laughs> in your neighborhood. In my neighborhood. Yes, uh-huh. yes. And I'll see a little bird or a little animal around and I'll start like, Hare Krishna. And I'll yeah. from the outside think, oh, wow, I was just I thinking crazy. the same thing. <laughs> I, I hate, well, no, no, I don't hate anything. I don't okay. hate anyone. Okay. I'm afraid of frogs. I, I am afraid <laughs> that they're going to like leap on me and I, it's just a scary thing for me. But every time I see a frog, I'm just like, like trying to run away, but I'm like, hi, Krishna frog. Hi, Krishna. Like, you know, like, I still care about you, but I'm afraid of you. What right. happened in a past life that Priya was attacked uh. by multiple frogs? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what happened. It's trauma, man. It's trauma. It's what it is. But it's good that you're trying to liberate the, flo- the frogs. We, you know? We're all trying, you know, yeah. just, just keep that in mind. We're all the soul. Right, Krishna's right. in all of our hearts, and so we treat everyone the same. But I learned something new from you just now, Priya. I just like I didn't realize that once you're an animal, you can't go backwards, right? So if a dog hears the name of Krishna or learns, you know, or has some prashad water or whatnot, that they can evolve to a higher species where they can do more Krishna conscious activities. Yeah, right. yeah, for I didn't sure. Know that. And I love the thought that Krishna is truly everyone's best friend with, he's our ever well wisher for everybody. There's one line in the purport, the Lord is equally kind to everyone because he treats every living being as a friend yet maintains himself as Paramatma or Krishna in the heart, regardless of the circumstances of the living entity. So he doesn't discriminate at all. He doesn't, he sees everybody as equal. That's awesome. There's also another line here that it just kind of talks about the, the, the similarities between the soul and the super soul. And it says I that they're that, both yeah. conscious, eternal, and blissful, right? We've talked about that before, but it's just kind of made of the same things, right? The sparks are very similar. They're both conscious, eternal, and blissful. Right, right. I love that. Yeah. I think that, Priya, what you just read goes hand in hand with one more point I want to make mm-hmm. because the soul and super soul, yes, they're made of the same. They're conscious, eternal, blissful, just like one droplet of water comes from the ocean. It's comprised of the same particles, they're both water, but they're different in, they're the same in quality, but different in quantity. And that's Mm -hmm. an important distinction here that they make the similarity and the quality of the soul and super soul, but that doesn't make them similar in quantity because the individual soul is present only in that particular body. Whereas the Paramatma or Krishna, that little spark free, I like how you said this next to your soul is present in every single, everybody. It's, it's, the vast ocean. You can't compare the soul and the Paramatma. So there yeah. is a dif- an important difference there. Yeah. They also, the distinction I think they're also saying is that like we are conscious of ourselves. Exactly. Whereas Paramatma is conscious of everyone. Exactly. Right? Exactly. So like we're like, I mean, we've talked about this before. Like we see our lives through our eyes and we might understand someone's perspective, but we don't fully have their right, consciousness right. or their understanding, right? And so, but Krishna actually sees my mind. He sees Shama Sangeeta's mind. Mm-hmm. He sees Shamali's mind. He can see everything from, mm-hmm. from your heart, right? Wait, just to clarify. So in every single living entity, whether it's a dolphin or a dog or me and you, there's two sparks in the heart. Yeah. So one is us, yeah. which is we are the soul. And the other spark is Krishna. Yep. And so 
Dolphins have that too. Dogs have that too. Yeah. Right. Cockroaches have that. Every, everyone has it. Yeah. Okay. Right. So I like that visual of like mm-hmm. two sparks in You're every single alone. heart. Yeah. yeah. That's kind of that beautiful. Cute? Krishna sees everything. Krishna's always there. <laughs> kind of beautiful, guys. Yeah. yeah. It's really, really so nice. So same in quality, different in quantity. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and last thing I just, I like this line. The bodies are material productions of different modes of material nature. So we're not these bodies, but we get these bodies based on, we've talked about it before, Priya, in what different things determine what body we get. Uh, our desires from our, you know, previous exactly. lives, our actions, you know, the karma, the actions and the reactions all determine that. Also, how much in the mode of goodness or passion or ignorance exactly. we're in, all of that kind of gets to into a mathematical equation. And then poof, we throw, you know, right. you get a Latina Hindu <laughs> girl talking to you on a podcast named Priya Darshini. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. So we get the body based on all those things, but the soul is always the same, eternal, blissful, full of knowledge. Yeah. So... And I like that distinction that our soul is very much just our soul. Not that sometimes you get a little more impersonal philosophies like, oh, we're all one and we merge with this oneness afterwards. Mm-hmm. Like, no, no, we're still our individual droplet of water with our individual qualities, our personalities. And we've always been. That's exactly. the coolest part. Like we've always been like, Shamli, you've always been. I mean, maybe you weren't named Shamli. Maybe right. you weren't a woman. Maybe you weren't whatever, but you've always been that this, spark. Uh-huh. Exactly. You have your own individuality and you've always been that. Yeah. It's fascinating. Yeah. Beautiful. So <laughs> yes. to wrap it up. Same uh, in quality, different in quantity. Shamasangita <laughs> really wants She's us to not do to only two texts. <laughs> She's like, can you do more than two texts per episode, please? She's like trying to get so us So when moving. she says, I love it, she's actually saying, okay, ladies, wrap it up. Let's move on. I love Chapter it. Chapter five, text number 19. <laughs> Those whose minds are established in safety. Wait, start that again. Shamali was laughing okay. for that. Start Chapter- it again. Start it again. <laughs> Chapter five, text number 19. Those whose minds are established in sameness and equanimity have already conquered the conditions of birth and death. They are flawless like Brahman and thus they are already situated in Brahman. I can feel you're about to like laugh. <laughs> no, because I don't. I don't. I never know how to say Brahman properly. It's, it's the, the difficult thing about the. There's three words that look very much the same. Yeah, there's Brahman, Brahmana, yes, and Brahma. See, uh, <laughs> and it's she's 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 by the she's whore, You know, that's what that sounds like. It's, it's a different language. It's all yeah. Greek to me. Okay. So, all right. So like, who wants to take a first stab at explaining this? Well, I think Priya. What does equanimity mean? Oh, yeah. You're like, dictionary.com. Dictionary.com says, uh, no, it's actually just Google. Uh, equanimity means mental calmness, composure, and evenism t- of temper, especially in difficult situations. Right. So in this case, equanimity of mind, as mentioned above in the text, it's a sign of self-realization. That's what we're striving for. Yes. Mm-hmm. So again, we talk about this rat race of birth and death and birth and death. And Krishna is saying right here that those who those who've conquered their mind and they can what is that mental calmness throughout everything in life? Level throughout throughout good days, throughout bad days, throughout cold days, throughout hot days, throughout sad times, throughout people being mean to them, throughout people praising them. It doesn't matter what's happening in mm-hmm. your life. If you can remain mentally calm, then you're then you're on the path to conquering the rat race of birth right. and death. And part of that is not just like the the mental and like emotional and physical, like mental calmness, but it's also like the understanding we're not this body. And that's like, yes, it's again, we always talk about like a, such a simple concept, thing, concept, right? But at mm-hmm. the same time, it's like always remembering this. Right. I mean, think about situations in which 
you just forget like simple situations that you forget Like you're not you're not this body right when you don't get a job that you really wanted and you're like oh my god and you're heartbroken and you're just like oh of course you associate with the body because you're like how am i gonna feed my body yeah or like when you're so hungry you're like i'm gonna die (laughs) i'm gonna die right now that's a much lighter situation but we are always sort of just identifying with our body and so being able to remember our higher goal, our purpose, right? And remembering that we're just the soul, I think that's also part of the level-headedness that we're going for. Mm -hmm. And this text also is kind of like a shout out to the previous text because it says those whose minds are established in sameness. That sameness, I think, refers to the equal vision that we just talked about, right, in the previous text. So Mm -hmm. we need that equal vision, that sameness that we're all souls. It's not I'm the exact same soul as Shama Sangeeta or Priyadarshini, but we're all souls with the the same quality of knowledge, eternality, and bliss. So in that sameness, we also have to have equanimity or what, what is it that Priya had said is equanimity. It's that evenness, right? Yeah. Level-headedness, evenness of. And uh, there's this one line that I love in the purport. It says when a living entity is without attraction Mm. or hatred, Mm. ooh, when you don't need to like love something or hate something, you're just kind of equal with everything. You're okay with what's going on. That is when you can enter the spiritual sky. That's Mm. what they say. It's essentially liberation. Yeah. Yeah, It says he becomes flawless. Ooh, right. Flawless and eligible to enter the spiritual sky. I love that. Cause you know, I almost picture then like, um, <laughs> we watched this movie. What was that movie? Bullet Train? Was that the one with uh Brad Pitt? Anyway, yeah, 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 that's it. There's like that, <laughs> yeah. there's like this sensei type character in there that he seems like throughout all of the chaos happening around, he's just sitting there with his eyes closed. Totally. No spoilers. Okay, no spoilers, no spoilers. <laughs> I haven't seen it. Okay, okay. You gotta watch it. But this character to me imbibes all of the bhakti practices of that levelness through chaos, mm. through pleasure, through happiness. He left it all the way. He was talking about it's up to fate. Let's see what fate arranges. And he's there in the middle of this chaotic place and everyone's like, ah, yelling. And he's just like with his eyes closed, waiting to see what fate will present. And I thought that was such an embodiment of bhakti because mm. someone can't claim to be self-realized. And then one little thing goes wrong and they like explode, you know, that, <laughs> that's like hating stuff. I hate that this happened. No, yeah, no, you need that even caliber, the evenness. Yeah. I think the, it's like, it's actually back to what we used to say a long time ago. Good, bad, who's to say, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Good, like that, bad, who's to remembering say. Remembering that. Good, bad, who's to say. Let me keep moving forward. Let me not dwell in this difficulties. Let me not dwell on the fact that I'm hungry and I'm going to die. I mean, right. you know, whatever it might be. <laughs> yep. If we're having emotional melt- meltdowns, like that's the opposite of this verse. We're like, we mm. need to conquer our emotional, <laughs> mental, physical meltdowns. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. Cool. Perfect. Text 20. Okay. A person who neither rejoices upon achieving something pleasant nor laments upon obtaining something unpleasant, who is self-intelligent, who is unbewildered, and who knows the science of God is already situated in transcendence. Okay, so the Krishna is basically saying someone, if you get good things in life, if you're not jumping up and down, screaming it from a rooftop, or if something bad happens and you're not having emotional breakdown on the sidewalk, right. you know what I mean? Like that is when someone who is unbewildered, they actually know what true knowledge is. So like right. not being too crazy happy when good things happen, not being, oh my God, my life is going to end when yeah. something bad happens. Yeah. And it's, so it, it kind of breaks down symptoms of a self-realized person. So it says the first symptom is that he is not illusioned <laughs> by false identification of the body with his true self. 
So he understands the difference between his soul and his body and right. Paramatma, right? So like that's the first symptom of a person who's kind of figured stuff out. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> symptom number one. That's symptom number one. Symptom number two is the steadiness of mind, which is also like self-intelligence. So it's just uh, being being steady in understanding what our purpose, purpose is, <laughs> what our goal is, right? Right. Love that. And that's number two. Yeah. Number three, this person is never bewildered. By mistaking, again, it kind of brings back about the body and the soul, but it's like never bewildered by it, right? Love that. And then number four, he um, does does not believe that his body is permanent and also never denies the fact that there is a soul. Hmm. So all of these ingredients make up a person kind of like, the, uh, you remember the Karate Kid? There was the, <laughs> yeah. The guy who taught the karate kid, what was his name? Mr. Miyagi. Yes. Oh, well, yeah. that's good memory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel like Mr. Miyagi, like we need to strive mm, for that, right? Because he yeah. knew, he had his mind under control. Oof. He knew how to teach. He knew like how to be equipoise in good times and bad times. Yeah. And I think he had all four of those those ingredients that you just mentioned, Priyashni. Yeah. And I think that's what we need to strive for. And that's what Krishna's talking about in this verse. Yeah. Right. So not illusioned steady mind, never bewildered, and understands that their body's not permanent, mm -hmm. that they're the soul. Yeah. And this, uh, let's be honest, this this verse is easier said than done. Oh, yeah. Right. I mean, we go through our days, a bird can poop on our head. And like, it's not <laughs> like we're going to be like, oh, this is fantastic. I love today. You know what I mean? Like, well, you shouldn't, right? It should be like, okay, a bird pooped on me. Right? Like yeah. even being so positive is not really the goal. Isn't that crazy? Right, right. Not positive, mm. not negative. Be like, it is what it is. <laughs> it good, is bad, who's to good, say? Good, bad, who's to say? Yeah. And I think they're so connected. That's why they keep emphasizing we're not this body, we're not this body. Because step one, if you realize we're not this body, then anything good or bad that happens to this body won't totally rattle us up because mm -hmm. we're not this body. So yeah. if you get that really ingrained, then it becomes a little easier to, okay, this happened maybe to my body, to my temporary state, but it's not connected to my eternal state of being. Yeah. And it says, the last line of the purport I love, such steady consciousness is mm -hmm. called Krishna consciousness. Mm. That's what it is. That's the name yeah. of the game. Yeah. Little steps, you know, little yeah. steps to get to that steady consciousness. It's it's not easy to be steady in general. You know, like people work really hard yep. to be steady in their workout routines and eating healthy and sleeping well. And these mm. are just basic needs. What to speak of, of remembering, you know, we're all equal, like all right. these concepts, right? So it takes time. But once we get to that point, that then we're practicing real Krishna consciousness. Rome wasn't built in a day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's important to always remember, I think, our constitutional position. What does that mean? Like we're eternally connected to Krishna, to God. We're his eternal servants. So without without on one hand trying to become one with the Supreme. So I'm, I'm not God myself, but mm -hmm. I'm connected to God eternally as his servant. And that's called self-realization when I can always remember my constitutional position. And that's the line right before the last line that you said, Shama Sagita, that I love. Such steadiness is called Krishna consciousness. And you know, when I read this, I thought of my spiritual teacher, my spiritual master, who's right now literally d preparing to leave this world in a matter of, we don't know, weeks. Mm. And he is so steady. He's just doing his thing without, I think I'm more affected by his death than he <laughs> seems to be affected by his death. You know, he's just so steady. 
And his spiritual master told him, you know, in this condition, it's okay. You don't have to chant your 16 rounds or like, you know, when you accept a spiritual master, it's customary. You, okay, I'm going to amp up the game. I'm going to dedicate two hours a day to my meditation. So his spiritual master told him in this condition, you don't have to do that. Don't worry. Cause he has a hard time now even speaking. And he told his spiritual master, no, no, I want to be. So I'm, if I'm going to ask all of my disciples or my students to to do it themselves, I want to make sure that I do it. Mm -hmm. So no matter what condition he's in, he's so dedicated to remembering his eternal constitutional position. So I'm a servant eternally of Krishna. Right now, my body's going through an unpleasant situation or death, and he's handling it so gracefully so gracefully yeah he's already there you can just see he's already in the spiritual sky connected to krishna and all of us like i i might be just crying one day lamenting the next moment and i'm totally a mess but he is so steady and exemplary honestly uh exemplary like i mean i obviously don't know as much about his conditions as you do shamali but from the things that I've seen, he's just so dedicated to continuing his services, even a few months back, just being yeah. there for all his disciples, doing kirtan, which is like uh, chanting together with many people. And and he's just inspiring people as much as he can in this last couple of days of or weeks, you know, of his yeah. life. And I think I can imagine, you know, like it's 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 hard to put yourself and think like, what would I be in that position? Right. But it, that it takes a whole life of dedicating to this Bhagavad Gita mm-hmm. and these teachings to reach that place where like you're able to focus and be an inspiration to others in a moment where you might, yourself might be mm-hmm. crumbling inside I in love, so many ways. That's such an important point. You say it takes a whole life of preparation because it won't happen overnight. This yeah. is like a whole life of preparation for the final test for, mm-hmm. are you really ready to depart this world? And that is the challenge because then all the doubts creep in. It's easy. If you have, if you don't genuinely practice every single day, then you're going to freak out at, at the time of death. You might have all these doubts, but yeah, the proof is in the pudding. So to see such elevated souls, like I'm, I'm sure all of the, our spiritual masters and all of the gurus who accept that step to become a guru, which we've said in other episodes, what does it take to really become a spiritual mm. master? You have to be <laughs> even minded, control your senses. So when they really take that step, oh, they're living and breathing all of these practices that we're studying all the time so that when it comes to these challenging moments, the teachings kick in and they're good. They're yeah. setting an example for all of us that... We're inspired to try to follow. They're yeah. the, the embodiment of this verse. Right. Yeah. yeah. Just like any habits, right? Like anything that we kind of become accustomed to becomes much easier later in life. Right. Like right. it might be really hard to what's something work something. out every single <laughs> morning. Work out every exactly yeah. work out every single day at 6 a.m. But if you do it now, a few months from now, it'll be so easy. You won't even have to think second so nature. hard. It's second nature. And so yeah. that's that's what this is about, right? So we look at this Bhagavad Gita and we try to take the key things from it and we try to remember them and practice them so that we can make it second nature for right. us to, you know, be equipoise. And one last thing just about, all. see, all of us here, we have our spiritual teachers, our gurus. It's so nice to have people who are down the road ahead of us so they there are examples of what are we striving for? And this is really, really real. This is so capable, to, it's so achievable as long as we dedicate to the extent that we dedicate ourselves to this practice. It's not just some far-fetched thing that we're striving for, some elusive ideal. It's like, no, we're, we're seeing people who are living by this. And it just, you see them and it makes you want to do 
be better. And like, I see my spiritual master and I think one day I hope to make him proud mm. with the life that I'm living, you know? Oh, that was so really sweet. beautiful. That was really sweet. Yeah. All right. Text 21. Such a liberated person is not attracted to material sense pleasure, but is always in trance, enjoying the pleasure within. In this way, the self-realized person enjoys unlimited happiness, for he concentrates on the supreme. I think mm. Krishna is talking about happiness here, right? And he's essentially saying that happiness comes from within. No amount of material pleasure, no amount of things, no matter retail therapy, no matter <laughs> things that you can buy on Amazon will ever give you that same satisfaction of inner happiness. Yeah. yeah. This text actually, as, as I was reading it, it reminded me exactly of Shamli's guru and the same conversation we were having because it says he, by, we achieve unlimited happiness by concentrating on the supreme, right? And so if we think mm. about uh, the fact that he's been literally so concentrated on Krishna, his whole life. I'm just thinking about like at this stage of his life in the last few weeks or months of his life. Um, if you were a person that was in that position, they were so sick and they were dying. Yeah. All the things that you could be focusing on. Right. Yes. And, and all the misery that you could be feeling like, Oh, why am I dying? Why is this happening mm -hmm. to me? Like someone without the knowledge might be suffering in such an extreme way. Whereas someone who concentrates on Krishna and focuses on Krishna is able to actually be happy. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, that's a super important point where I know from like extended family of mine and different situations of friends that have family members who are facing the ultimate test death and they don't have this bhakti philosophy oh, there's a huge question mark of what comes next. There's a mm. huge void. And totally like you're saying, Priya, they question, they're scared. It it, it, it provokes this deep fear yeah. when you don't have anything that you've practiced, anything that you believe in that there's like, what's going to happen next? Right. It's, it's anxiety inducing to the core. It shakes you up. Mm -hmm. So how grateful, I mean, how lucky are we to have this philosophy that we can invest our energy and our time and practice every single day? Yeah. And on a more, you know, lighthearted, like everyday note, you know, we were always seeking for some sense of enjoyment, right? For yeah. a lot of people, this could come as, well, I work all day. So when I get home, I want to watch a show on Netflix, right? Or I want to do this or I want to do that. And that's fine to some extent, but that's not really happiness, right? It doesn't no. really reach that point. And so in this, in this text, it says a person in uh, practicing Krishna consciousness is so absorbed <clears> in loving in the loving service of the Lord that he loses his taste for material sense pleasure altogether. Mm -hmm. So the more, and I, I see these with our teachers, our gurus, right? The more you focus on Krishna, the more certain things, other things in your life become simpler mm -hmm. and you actually are able to enjoy, right? And right. you are able to enjoy not in a material sense, but in a different way, right? Like we're not here watching you know, 20 hours a week of Netflix, but rather maybe enjoying wonderful stories and mm -hmm. great uh, community environments. Right. Does that it's make sense? A, it's a different type of happiness. Because I, I remember being in college and like partying and drinking and like remembering as if that was like the best time of my life, right? Mm. But then I got into this like spiritual world and it's like a different kind of happiness. <laughs> like it's like, 
it doesn't go away because I can always tap into it. Right. Whereas like I'll, I'll when I was in college, like I had to chase the next high or like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So it's, it's kind of a beautiful, beautiful happiness. Yeah. With what you guys are saying, it's so in line with, we have this concept in Bhakti that's the higher taste. So as you go developing more and more your spiritual life, you develop a higher taste and those lower vibration, lower consciousness things no longer fill you up as much. Yep. But so as you stop doing those, it's only, it's, it's hard to pause desires. You can't stop your mind and senses, but we channel it for something higher than we're going to channel it so that the more and more we practice, those things lose their grip on us. It's no longer fun maybe to get totally wasted until two in the morning and wake up with a hangover. I don't know, whatever, whatever your conception of fun is at this moment, you just go developing and refining more and more what you find pleasurable. Yeah. I mean, I even thinking about doing this podcast with y'all, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, it's, we find ways of, we are like doing this thing of being in service of Krishna, right? And like, we're enjoying it. We like come out of these feelings so happy and so enlivened by this. And so it's like, I don't know. I just add Krishna to things and you'll see a little bit of a different sense of joy. And it's like, don't knock it till you try it, right? (laughs) There's so many ways to incorporate Krishna consciousness or spirituality in your life. And then watch how it makes you feel like energetically, mentally, physically, emotionally. Watch how it makes you feel. And it's... That's a a key point, Shama Sangeeta. Watch how it makes you feel because you're going to all of a sudden be connected to an eternal reservoir of bliss and happiness. And I mean, I I've mentioned just earlier, my spiritual master, he's leaving his body. I didn't say too many details, but he has basically prostate cancer, which metastasized and went upwards. And he has over a hundred tumors in his lungs. He's all clogged up. It's really intense. And without going into all the details, you see when he's connected to like, whenever he's chanting or doing kirtan or talking about different things connected to this philosophy, his eyes light up and you would never imagine that he's going through the health conditions and difficulties that he's Mm. going through. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's magic. Really the more and more you can connect to this philosophy and to Paramatma or Krishna in your heart, the more you're connected to this magic. Yeah. And I think like in a socially what's happening in the world kind of way, we're slowly kind of socially going in that direction. I don't know if I'm making sense, but just bear with me. Like, uh, people are actually wanting to drink alcohol, free alcohol. Yes. Right. Like this is like a really popular thing. Why? I mean, Mm -hmm. we've known all along intoxication is not good for us. Like it's, it's in the Bhagavad Gita actually. Like if you've been studying this, you know, intoxication isn't good, but people maybe got used to the taste and they enjoy it, but they actually also just hate the hangovers. Yes. They hate how (laughs) they feel afterwards. Maybe it's a social thing that they've been feeling like they have to do, but now it's becoming more socially acceptable to be like healthier and right. be more conscious and and that kind of ties in so if, you know it's it's kind of cool to see slow progress in society to maybe kind of go in the same direction of the Bhagavad Gita of that happiness that is uh what's the word I'm looking for? everlasting like more substantial substantial is a good one and also like more good for you I'm not rounded I, don't know. <laughs> I love all these words they're all really fantastic I don't I'm not really no but I get what you're trying to say and I used to think it was just because we live in LA where people are like oh my god hippie yeah <laughs> love free. you know but I realized even just coming from Hong Kong like the more vegetarian restaurants uh, that open yeah. up there right people are starting to change their consciousness alcohol free alcohol like people are going to yoga t- retreats they're doing the eat pray love stuff you know what I mean like they're they're trying to find themselves because I think they're realizing more and more that every single bit of material happiness is temporary. Yes. Yeah. Oh, such, yeah. so well 
well said. I love it. No. Thank you for saying all the things I was trying to say, but we're not coming you out of my Be right. delirious all the time, Shama. <laughs> <laughs> and one more point I want to say that they kind of hint upon this in the purport. This is not a dry process that we're like, restrict the senses, hold it in, don't engage with the lower consciousness, just pop, 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 stick to the rules and regulations. Because it says a person who's really absorbed in Krishna conscious, Krishna consciousness, they're so absorbed in the loving service of the Lord that you just totally naturally lose taste for material sense pleasure so true. altogether. Yes. You don't even want it. And it's not that we're falsely renouncing it. It's like, it's like a process little by little to the degree that you're, you're, elevating your consciousness. You're doing it naturally, being honest with where you truly at. We're not saying stop it altogether, but you're going to naturally develop that higher taste over time. Yeah. And I love this, this part of this philosophy is like, it's not restrictive. It's not like, it's not saying like, don't have sex. It's not, don't drink anymore. Don't eat meat. Don't like, it's not like a, everything's a sin and don't like, I mean, it's not like, okay. It's not like, <laughs> no, Fran and I looked at each other and I was like, it's so well, no I mean, jokes, jokes, you know what I mean? but, but it's not like so restrictive as to like, if you will do these things, you are a bad person. Yeah, no, no, no. It's more like, these are great for you. Like maybe like, a life without intoxication, you might like it. Or like a life without gambling, you might really benefit or from just that. just turn up the notch on the spiritual activities and naturally those other activities mm -hmm. will start to be less tasteful to you. Yeah, yeah, I see it like a fan, you know. We've been in this rat race of birth and death for thousands and thousands of lives. When you unplug the fan, the, 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 what's it, the, the... The, the blades. blades. The blades. There we Ooh. go. Ha, the blades. <laughs> it takes a little time for them to fully come to a stop. So it's not like we're going to immediately stop sense yeah. gratification. That's a good visual. visual. Like it. Such a great visual. Yeah. It's it's, it's it slow. Goes. And but but and it's true what Shama's saying. It's not like it's like a, a sliding scale. Like if you can't do this, do this. If you can't do that, do that. Like and slowly, slowly You'll at work your, your own way. pace. It will come very naturally. Yeah. The more you engage. And you know, Shula Prabhupada even it's beautiful because he even says. This, you can take it to just deepen your relationship with God, with Krishna, regardless of what religion you're on. So you can take this like all of us as your main thing. We're fully in. But if you're whatever, uh, uh, if you're Jewish, if you're Christian, if you're whatever religion you are, you can also utilize this philosophy to deepen your relationship with Krishna. So I think that's a beautiful notion of this is just a very all-encompassing philosophy that anyone can apply no matter what stage you're in on your own spiritual path. For sure. Love it. What a what a practical episode this was. Yeah. <laughs> so practical. And great. We'll, we'll join you next time, guys, for chapter five, text number 22. But thank you so much for joining us today. Bye. See you next time. Bye. <laughs>Oh, beautiful souls if you like what you're hearing please follow us on instagram at modern yogi podcast and if you love what you're hearing please make sure to share a link to our podcast at modern yogi podcast with all your friends families and long lost cousins and if you have any questions at all send us a dm on instagram at modern yogi podcast and we'll be sure to get back to you thank you for listening to the, the modern, modern yogi, yogi.